The following is a special sponsored edition of the Big Four Bio Podcast. Daniel Levine, and this is the Big Four Bio Podcast. Award-winning life sciences journalist and mountaineer Luke Timmerman is once again leading the Timmerman Traverse, a three-day, 23-mile hike across New Hampshire's Presidential Traverse to raise money for the nonprofit Life Science Cares. Timmerman has assembled a team of venture capitalists and life sciences executives to make the hike to raise money to support the organization's efforts to combat poverty in cities that are home to major biotech clusters. We spoke to Timmerman about Life Science Cares, his past fundraising efforts, and why his team members walk away with more than just the satisfaction that comes from supporting a good cause. Luke, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks, Danny. We're going to talk about Life Science Cares, the Timmerman Traverse, and your efforts to raise money to address poverty. Let's start with Life Science Cares, a nonprofit that was founded in 2016 by a consortium of life science executives. Where does the organization operate and what does it do? So Life Science Cares is based in the Boston area. That's where it got started, uh, as you say. And um, it was founded to create um, a corporate social responsibility network of sorts among all these small biotech companies from around that Kendall Square hub. Um, Rob Perez was the, kind of the driving force in the beginning. He was uh, previously the CEO of Cubist Pharmaceuticals, and he was looking to give back after that company um, was successfully was acquired by Merck. And he was really struck by the fact that a lot of the nonprofits in the greater Boston area weren't familiar with the biotech industry, uh, didn't have connections, kind of thought that they were just doing a lot of this weird science and, and they just weren't connected to the community and giving back. And so he thought, you know, this this um, has a lot of potential here. There's a lot of smart people who want to give back uh, in lots of different ways, both with their time, their volunteer time, but also some of their, their company funds. Um, to uh, to connect with uh, real needs in the broader community, things like food, shelter, clothing, um, and education and job training as well. All kinds of things that come together under what we consider uh, poverty. How did you become engaged with Life Science Cares and, and what attracted you to the organization? Well, you know, it's like a lot of things I learn about through my journalism. Uh, and so I talked with Rob about this pretty early on, and it, it resonated with me. I wrote an opinion column about how this is a good thing for biotech companies to get involved with. And, um, you know, like it didn't go too much further there for a while. Um, there, it's kind of a long story, but, you know, I had gotten involved with climbing, um, mobilizing the biotech community 
around mountain trips. And, and I had started with um, the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center as the beneficiary, and I still do that. Um, but um, over time, I, I realized this was another way in which I could mobilize the biotech community um, around a different cause um, in, in service of uh, fighting poverty. So it's sort of branched out, I guess. We're going to talk about your your expeditions in a moment, but Life Science Cares, give us some examples of, of the impacts they've had. So um, a couple examples would be helpful, I think. Uh, one um, organization that caught my eye early was called Food for Free. And that is, uh, sounds, just like it sounds, like they, they are an organization that collects food from company cafeterias or, um, you know, your neighborhood Starbucks or whatever. A lot of food gets wasted, gets thrown out at the end of the day after an event or just in routine business. And um, b- before it goes bad, um, if you could just coordinate getting that food to people who need it that day, um, it won't go to waste. It can actually help people. And uh, this is just a matter of coordinating things. And so Life Science Cares figured out early on, there's a lot of biotech companies that have leftover food at the end of events or at their cafeteria. Can we connect them? And so that's one example. Um, You know, there are others like Rosie's Place, a, a battered women's shelter in the Boston area. Helps, um, helps women get back on their feet. Um, but um, another one that I think will really resonate for people in this audience is uh, something called Project OnRamp that Life Science Cares operates, which um, provides internships for young people, largely high school, maybe some undergraduates, um, to get exposed to the biotech industry. Uh, I think you probably know this as well as anyone that, um, you know, a lot of young people just aren't aware or aren't exposed to all the amazing things that are happening in biotech. So uh, if they take a little time and and learn um, firsthand what's going on, well, some of these people um, might end up pursuing careers in biotech. So it could be win-win for both the companies and the young people. In September... 2021, you hiked the presidential traverse in the White Mountains in New Hampshire with a group of life science leaders as a fundraiser for Life Science Cares. Give us a sense of some of the numbers. How how much time did it take? How long a hike was it? How much elevation? How many peaks? (laughs) Okay, so there's a lot in here. This this story goes back to... um, kind of the beginnings of the coming out of the pandemic, I guess you'd say. Uh, so it was early of 2021. Uh, we were all starting to get vaccinated and imagining, you know, crawling out of our cocoons <laughs> and, and reemerging in the world. And I was a little uh, cooped up like anybody else, wanted to start an expedition. Um, and so I proposed this to Life Science Cares, something that would be uh, difficult, but doable for a beginning hiker, let's say. Somebody who's physically fit, willing to challenge themselves, um, and that uh, didn't involve international travel, because remember, we weren't really doing that uh, in early 21. Um, So I imagined the presidential traverse in New Hampshire. 
Um, that's and, a, that's a hike for a beginning hiker. Well, yeah, maybe a little bit an intermediate beginner, <laughs> but um, it's 23 miles. Uh, there are a couple different variations on how to do it, but seven peaks uh, named after presidents in New Hampshire. So Washington, Jefferson, Adams, and the like. And there's a lot of up and down. So it's about 8,000 feet of vertical gain, uh, gain and loss uh, by the time you've completed it. So some people who are extra ambitious in New England uh, try to do it in a single day, uh, which I think is too much for a beginning hiker. But um, one of the cool things is that they have the Appalachian Mountain Club has a hut system uh, where you can stay overnight in a bunkhouse at 5,000 feet up on the ridgeline and they'll serve you dinner and breakfast and you can refill your water bottles. And, and uh, so I thought that lightens the pack weight and shortens the, the duration that someone needs to go. So we could design a trip that ends up being about two and a half days. Uh, and uh, importantly, there's plenty of room in these huts. So if I want to raise a lot of money to fight poverty, I need a large team. So um, arrange for about 20 people uh, to, uh, to do this hike. And over two and a half days, each of them has a minimum fundraising requirement of $25,000. So I thought um, if we could do that, we'd raise maybe half a million in the first year. And that would be pretty cool. My understanding is that this is territory that can be subject to difficult weather at times. Is, Is that a concern? And what are people told to do in terms of preparing for weather? Yeah, it is uh, a tricky zone for weather. Uh, Mount Washington in particular is famous for um, being dangerous. People die up there. Um, Often it's people underestimating the conditions. So it feels warm and sunny uh, on a summer day in the valley. And then they walk up with t-shirt and shorts and they're not ready for 60 mile an hour winds and, um, you know, cold cold hail. Um, so, um, yeah, we, uh, watch the weather forecast very carefully. Um, I, and, um, and a couple of other more experienced biotech hikers that I've, I've drafted to join me. Um, so we watch the weather forecast very carefully and make sure that everyone has all kinds of the proper gear, um, like Gore-Tex outer hard shells and that sort of thing. Um, and if the weather were to turn really bad, we have a backup plan where we can, you know, take a a less treacherous hike. I'm still laughing at the use of the term beginner. You're an experienced climber. Listeners may remember you led a fundraising climb of Mount Everest to raise $1.3 million to support research at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Institute. How challenging is the presidential traverse and what kind of experience or training do your fellow climbers get before doing this? Yeah. So it's definitely not Mount Everest. (laughs) Um, You know, in between there, um, I had led a a group expedition up Kilimanjaro in 2019. So that uh, was 19,000 foot peak in Africa, highest peak in Africa. 
And um, so I, I uh, learned a little bit about people's fitness and experience um, to try to select people who could do such a thing. You know, it takes uh, basic cardiovascular fitness. So like if someone tells me that they run half marathons or marathons, that's good. Uh, but they're also, uh, you know, that's not really enough. You need to have some strength, endurance over long periods of time. So I like to hear about people's hiking experience, uh, previous places they've gone, especially at altitude. Now, the Presidential Traverse is, um, it's not an extreme altitude place. You know, it's in the Appalachian Mountains. The highest peak, Mount Washington, is about 6,200 feet. So it's... Um, uh, not not as physiologically challenging as uh, a real high altitude peak, but uh, if you're doing you know averaging nine to ten miles a day on this rough and in some cases rocky terrain with a lot of up and down, it's challenging. Like there's some bragging rights for especially people in New England. They've heard of the the Presidential Traverse or the Prezi, as some people call it. Um, so I, I like to uh, just suss people out early on? What kinds of things have they done? Have they done something um, demanding over a long period of time? Like say the Pan Mass Bicycle Challenge. That's a good example where you, know, you bike 100 miles in a day. Um, a person who has done something like that can probably do the, the presidential traverse. Do you offer participants any advice on getting prepared? Oh, yeah. Um, I come uh, with a lot of details, a gear list, um, some uh, rules of thumb on training. Uh, sometimes if people uh, are, you know, ambitious but not so experienced, I'll suggest they talk to a personal trainer uh, a few months in advance and, and get on a program. That can be really helpful. Um, and you know, I encourage them to go out on training hikes. Uh, it's sort of like, you know, playing basketball. You know, if you want to be in good basketball shape, you should play some basketball in addition to doing your your squats and lunges and push-ups and all that stuff. Um, so what's cool is that sometimes people will join with their their teammates. So like I said, there's a group of 20 people here and chances are there's at least a half dozen or so in uh, your city and uh, I encourage them to get out on weekend day hikes. So that's a good way to get some fresh air, experience the scenery, uh, get some exercise, and also get to know the people that you'll be hiking with on this uh, more immersive experience later in the year. You're doing an encore hike across the Traverse. Are you taking a whole new crew? Is anyone repeating the trek? Yeah, so actually that initial group of people, the 20 people uh, in 2021, came together, had such a great time, raised in, in total 735000 So we blew our goal out of the water. Um, and I thought for the second year, we really didn't need to change a lot. <laughs> the distance, the challenge, the, the HUD accommodations, everything worked really well. So decided to do it again and um, offer the alumni um, the first chance to register for uh, 2022. And I thought maybe one or two people would accept and, and I would recruit a whole new team because $25,000 is a pretty substantial fundraising requirement. 
Um, but it turned out that I think seven people came back <laughs> for the second year. Really surprised me. And uh, uh, so then I went to recruit the the remaining 13. As a breed, you're generally dealing with people who I would describe as being competitive. Do you find their competitiveness gets them aggressive about fundraising? Any sense they watch the board and try to beat out others? Oh, yeah. Um, you're right. This is a competitive group of people. And uh, I do keep a, a leaderboard of who's um, who, who's setting the pace on the fundraising. And uh, I, people do uh, watch their position on there and try to move up um, in a friendly sort of way. Um, and I think uh, the, the hardest thing with any campaign for fundraising is just getting people started um, and, and building some positive momentum. And so that's been a really um, fun thing to, um, to create that, um, that, that upward competition, but without, you know, uh, people aren't stepping on each other's toes or anything. Uh, but um, it, it's uh, what I've seen over time too, is that, sometimes you'll get a, a few friends on the trip. They'll want to, that's part of the appeal is that they'll want to hike with people they know and like. And this year they've, uh, a few of them have come up with the idea of joint outreach. So in other words, if um, you're a biotech CEO and you've had success and you've worked with law firm X, uh, you could make an individual appeal to that law firm to you know help support life science cares in the broader community. Uh, but uh, it might even be more persuasive. Uh, it might encourage them to give even more if two or three or four people are making a, a joint request. And so that's, uh, that's been a, um, a new twist on, you know, the it's, it's competitive, but also cooperative, I guess is one way to think of it. I noticed there's a list of both, VCs and life science executives going on this year's expedition. How much time do people talk shop on these trips and have past trips ever resulted in any deal making or financial transactions? Oh yes. Um, they, they start talking shop um, almost before we leave the parking lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um well seriously uh th this uh this hike is uh, most of the time we're out of cell phone service range thankfully uh so people you know they put the phones away and they actually get to talking and um they talk a lot about uh personal stuff you know life family um their latest job and then they they do talk about things they're working on currently uh for sure and um they they have sometimes led uh, in, in, toward business um, arrangements that that come later. I often hear about these much later, <laughs> but um, there was um, there was one example from last year's traverse in which um, Reed Huber from Third Rock Ventures uh, was one of the members of the team and along with Alice Pomponio of the American Cancer Society's uh, Bright Edge Impact Fund. And they got to talking about shared interests in supporting cancer research and development startups. And they ended up 
forming a partnership between Third Rock and Bright Edge that was just announced a month or so ago. And um, yeah, but both of them credited those those conversations on the trail to helping form that deal. So th- there are other examples too from from other trips, but it's um, it's fun. It, like it, it's uh, it shows the um, the importance of relationships in, in this industry. It, it's one of those types of experiences where I imagine you really get to know people in, in a different way than you would in, in a business setting. Do you find it builds long-term relationships? It does. And that's a very um, astute question. So, you know, when you join one of these expeditions, um, you're, you're not in your normal element. You're not at the fancy hotel in San Francisco in your business suit. You are in a different place. You're going to be a little bit vulnerable. The weather could be variable. You're, you know, you're, you're dressed in your hiking gear and, um, sometimes people struggle. Uh, they need to pause and take a drink of water or get a snack and they need to help each other out. And so, um, it, um, a lot of the kind of the day-to-day, um, business just kind of is shed, um, and people get to know each other on a more human level. Um, and that, that does prove very meaningful over time. Uh, I'll give you an example. The Kilimanjaro Climb to Fight Cancer team from 2019, they still stay in touch and they have many reunions when bio gathers or ASCO and you know, some of whoever's in town will, will hold a little meetup and they have made introductions for each other. They've um, joined each other's boards. Uh, sometimes they just hang out <laughs> as, uh, as friends. And uh, I, I see that happening, uh, snowballing, really, with additional trips. Um, similar thing can be said for a group I took to Everest Base Camp uh, in the spring of 22. So, um, yeah, it, the... Uh, I think people really uh, want to um, push themselves in in this um, both physically, uh, but also uh, to do more than they normally do in their professional lives. To to give back, to engage with the community, um, and and form meaningful relationships uh, along the way. And these trips really combine all of those elements. I, I suspect that it's one of the more physically challenging things many of these folks will have done in their lives. Do you find, aside from being able to raise money to help others, that people walk away with something lasting from this experience? Yeah, yeah. They uh, <laughs> there is the. Uh, have you ever heard the expression of type two fun? <laughs> this is <laughs> this is this notion where um, you're not really having that much fun during the actual experience, but then you look back on it and uh, with real fondness. So this is what I mean by the the moments when you struggle. Um, uh, and it, it's it's hard, but going through the hardship is part of what makes it so meaningful. I mean, if it were easy to do the presidential traverse, well, then 
anybody everybody would do it um and the fact that it's it's hard makes it much more um attractive and memorable and meaningful and it's it forms that that shared bond between the participants like they've all been through that thing and they remember that moment on Mount Eisenhower when the wind was blowing 45 miles an hour <laughs> and uh you know somebody almost lost their water bottle down the hill <laughs> uh and uh yeah so all of those uh, those things combine here and uh I find that people tell their friends uh, about what a great time they had and, uh, and, and uh, it helps uh, to, uh, to build community. You've set a goal of raising $800,000 this year. The Traverse is set for September 13th through the 15th. How are you in terms of target towards that goal? We're doing really well. We're almost there at about 730,000 as of this recording. Uh, Got a couple more weeks to go here before we hit the trail there on September 12. Um, So I'm I'm confident that we're going to beat that uh, that stretch goal this year of 800,000. For people who would like to donate, where can they go? Yes. So the best place to go is a website called justgiving.com. And I think if you just type in just giving and Timmerman Traverse uh, into Google, you'll find it um, or Timmerman Traverse 2022 on just giving. But um, there you'll see all the members of the team this year and how much money they've raised. And they have personal statements on why they've committed to do this. Uh, and importantly, uh, there are people on this year's team that are from all over the biotech community, not just Boston. So we have people from San Francisco, San Diego, and Philadelphia as well, uh, who are raising money to support life science cares chapters in those biotech hubs as well. So this year's proceeds are going to cover a, a wider stretch of geography. Um, and uh, yeah, people can just go on justgiving.com and find someone you'd like to support, uh, both them and the cause and their community. And uh, really appreciate everyone's support. And that full URL is justgiving.com forward slash campaign forward slash Timmerman Traverse 2022. The T and Timmerman and Traverse are up, uppercase. Luke Timmerman. Mountaineer, founder and editor of the Timmerman Report and host of the Long Run Podcast. Luke, thanks as always. Thanks very much, Danny. Thanks for listening. The Big Four Bio Podcast is brought to you by Big Four Bio, a leading aggregator service of four of the top life sciences centers in the world, Boston, San Diego, Philadelphia, and the San Francisco Bay Area. To subscribe for free to Big Four's daily newsletters, go to bigfourbio.com. This podcast is produced by the Levine Media Group for Big Four Bio. Our theme music is provided for the podcast by the Jonah Levine Collective and appears on the album Attention Deficit on Alpha Pup Records. 